Hello and welcome to a new episode of Cloud Spotting. We, Alex and I are here to record another new episode, fresh episode. Alex, how are you feeling today? Yeah, I'm right. Thank you very much. Uh, another year older, as, as turned last week, but it was a uh, belated happy birthday. Week. So <laughs> thank you very much. <laughs> yeah, it was quite an interesting weekend. We uh, completely off topic. We um, we went to one of those indoor skydiving centers. <gasps> I love those. Awesome. Yes. So uh, I, if you haven't been to one before, we went to the one in. Uh, well, if you're not, if you don't live in the UK, then this isn't going to help. But we went to the one in Basingstoke, uh, and uh, yeah, it's, it was amazing. Um, and they do this thing right at the end where they put you on something they call the high fly and they shoot you like 30 40 feet up in the air and spin you around and stuff it was uh yeah it was quite the experience yeah it's amazing did you get the did you get the helmet with the uh well i did have a helmet yeah but uh but they, they had like selfie cams but they were all outside the thing oh okay but yeah uh, it was awesome fantastic highly recommended fantastic yeah no no it's been it's been a really good uh experience when we went last time mm-hmm. it's really good so what have you been up to recently then? oh nothing major i've been i've been well My i've not been word. sick i, I know it. <laughs> it's been amazing Hay fever has finally left me alone. Right. So you only have it during the winter now. Wow. Well, yeah. <laughs> it seems like it. I, I need to sort it out next year. <laughs> but but no, it was good. We had a good week. Busy week. Lots of work. Lots of customers. Mm-hmm. Uh, AWS Summit was pretty interesting. Yes. We, we did do that. Uh, Google Next has some good information. Nothing. Not, we're not going to say anything now. But yeah. we'll talk about it. No spoilers. No spoilers. Unlike Game of Thrones, <gasps> which the final episode is next week. But we're not going to talk about that, are we? We're not going to talk the, about that. the three billion that was claimed in lost uh, lost productivity in the US based on people talking about the final episode of Game of Thrones. Don't wow. talk about it. I have to catch up on it yet. <laughs> so what happened was uh, they I'm so all heartbroken. Die. Don't just say. <laughs> okay, let's not talk about Game of Thrones. <laughs> yeah. So uh-huh. this is a Game of Clouds. Game of that? Clouds. Yeah. Ooh, I like Ooh, that. Good one. <laughs> So That's going to be the title, by the way. Oh, I'm liking it. Uh, so, so as part of Game of Clouds, uh, now we wanted to uh, we wanted to dig into a little bit around financial clouds and the use of yeah. Cloud who who pays for the Game of Clouds? Who pays for the game? Yeah, yeah, the financiers, if you will. Um, so, as part of that, we thought we'd get a subject matter expert in from the uh, from somebody who's got experience in the financial industry. Um, so, Sean, do you want to just uh, introduce us and um, tell us a little bit about where you've come from in the past? Hi, yeah, my name is Sean Lee. I'm a solutions architect in Rackspace. Um, background is about 20 years in IT. Um, worked for vendors such as IBM, Dell, EMC. I've also obviously worked for banks, a lot of them, um, <laughs> top-tier banks, mid-tier banks, um, and small software companies. So I'm not pharma and other company sectors like that as well. So I'm well-versed in different sec- in different industries. Mm-hmm. Um, about myself, I'm obviously, my accent, I'm Irish from Dublin, um, living in the UK about 15 years. Um, hobbies, watching rugby, CrossFit, etc., etc. So uh, CrossFit, maybe. Yeah, we just found out from Sai this morning that he does CrossFit as well. It's like a oh. mini cult. Yes, do you exercise? Sometimes. Yeah. I don't do I, I go to it. Right. <laughs> I, I also attend. <laughs> <laughs> um, so just in terms of uh, the fintech side of things, one of the things we were talking about before the show, uh, before we started recording, we really should just record all that. It's probably better than what we were recording. I think so. Yeah, most likely. But you were talking about um, when you started off your career and you'd been working in the in the dedicated space for a long time, and then this cloud thing came along. And how did, how did you see it as somebody who was working in the banking industry at that point? So when 
I transitioned from BMC to working in banks because they needed storage people. And when um, I first came across um, clouds was Amazon. Mm-hmm. And I was, it was a cloud no person. It's like, oh, we don't want cloud because it's rubbish, it's slow, it's not secure. And basically the opposite of what I'm telling people right now was me 10 years ago. So we had um, justifications for business case for cloud, but mm-hmm. in the banking sector, it's not just the IT manager going, yes, let's stick stuff on Amazon. It has to go through um, risk and compliance and audit. It also has to be assessed, approved by committees, which can take anything from six months to a year to get something approved to go investigate. So there's a lot of time delays in banking. That's why some of the reasons why banking hasn't used cloud 10 years ago as it does now. Mm-hmm. So there has been a lot of kind of, but the main reason why banks have changed is compliance. Compliance has, has eased up and regulations have eased up. I do wonder about that because if you look at some of the traditional, um, you know, the banks that might have been around for 100 or 200 years, starting to see them coming out with a lot more up-to-date, modern, you know, web-based platforms and these kinds of things. Um, But just a few years ago, we started to see um, some of the new banking startups and they were almost jumping ahead. So how do you think, do you think that was really shoving the industry along or do you think the compliance got there just in time for these startups? So what's mainly changed is um, banking regulations and compliance eased up, which allowed um, smaller startup banks to come in and into the into the market. So like like the Monzos of the world and so on. And so forth. Yeah, yeah, the Monzos, the Revoluts of the world came in and that they started to um, been a bit more agile and like uh-huh. no bricks and mortar um, banks and just mm-hmm. having um, a card and an app on your phone. That's all you wanted, which mm-hmm. is something that the the banks couldn't do or didn't want to do and we're also kind of risk averse to that mm-hmm. and that's allowed these kind of disruptor banks to come in in play into into the uk and so all the 200 year old processes that they get to bypass altogether and right. make decisions in a much quicker fashion yeah and they get to get to change and evolve and um the hard thing about fail fast where in banking they would invest millions of pounds into a system and that was their strategy for 10 years where mm-hmm. the banks would have an idea and go, oh, let's try easy card payments or um, person-to-person um, money transfer. Mm-hmm. Oh, that doesn't work. No one took it up. We just take it away. And yep. the, um, the, these banks basically couldn't adapt to that. Or if they had a, a, a package like a, a credit card, it was the, the roadmap was already predefined yeah. legally in terms and conditions and stuff like that, which they, they wouldn't change. So yeah, if, if it takes you two to three years to deploy a product, that's not a fail fast. No. Like you, after you've put that much investment in it, whether it's <laughs> successful or not, you're going to keep. You just keep it. driving exactly. on, yeah, yeah. Run so it failed. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, fail forward. Somebody fail said this forward. morning, <laughs> fail flat on your face. Yeah, but also there's kind of like the prestige and um, brand reputation as True. well for mm-hmm. banks as do. So if if you had a company credit cards again if you had a, like a, a large bank with a, a, a credit card which fell over or was unsecure mm-hmm. it's not acceptable the bank could be wiped out yeah but in these small ones they can oh, just shut the the app down spin it back up as, as, as a new app or whatever and then mm-hmm. work on that way it's a bit more complicated than that if you bring in banking license and stuff like that but it's that's that's the way they roll so what i'm hearing a lot here is tech enabled it yeah it was all the tech revolution yeah and that, that's i guess coming back to the topic Mm-hmm. So we talked about banks. We talked about tech. You know, there's this phrase that's been thrown around saying fintech. How do you? How would you define it? Would you say it's just more banking with more technology, or is there more to it? Okay, my personal um, view of fintech. Fintech is IT wrapped around banks. It's not big data. It's not cloud. It's just it's servers and old school banks to 
huge Hadoop clusters running on Amazon or GCP. So that it's it's that's the infrastructure. It's also the software and the people wrapped around it as well. So the technology is there, just getting the right people at the right time to deploy the the right things for what the banks want at that time. Mm-hmm. And in my experience of of kind of large enterprise banks and also medium banks as well, when the business say they have an idea, the that request goes to IT. Yep. And then IT somehow have to shoehorn that into their, their environment, which is normally on-prem or in one of their many, many data centers that they have. Mm-hmm. Find a place for it without going over budget because with banks, cost is everything. Put it into an environment to make sure it's as secure as possible. And then bring it up to the, get the application installed, get the databases in, get the app developed. And these things, because they're not pre-wrapped, a lot of it's all custom takes a while to develop but then it has to be approved and then audit and risk have to come in and all these things kind of snowball on and then you're a year down the line and you're in phase one of a five-phase project so then the business like all right forget that idea we've moved on to this so that's kind of the, the way that they're going mm-hmm. so that that would affect how banking solutions matter because i mean if you, if you think about it we've we worked with banks we worked with traditional banks we've done solutions uh, and in the old days, it used to be, hey, here's a whole lot of servers that'll be wheeled in, security, blah, blah, blah. You would look at it and say, that's really good infrastructure. Mm-hmm. Why do I need this cloud? If if banks can have have space that they can put in a lot of servers, they have their own, some banks have their own data centers. Do they, what benefit does a cloud give on top of that? Or, or is that just a medium to expand? Well, the, the main benefits come back a couple of years ago were, I can give you an example, we had an a, a IT division and one of the business, so each bank is broken into different BUs, mm-hmm. capital markets, et cetera, et cetera. So one of the um, business units that of the bank, they wanted to do um, spin up a dupe cluster to process transactional data of whatever they did for that particular thing. Mm-hmm. Um, we want to do it on-prem. We gave them a lead time of getting that spun up in about eight months to a year mm-hmm. by the time we actually deployed it engineered it make sure all the right versions was all compliant it was secure yeah and then we had to go to the kind of um infrastructure forms to get it approved make sure everyone knew what we we're doing and then you have blockers for that as well so go back and forth a bit mm-hmm. so we said eight months so that particular it person went okay well i'll um let me let me just just try work with it so they went got a credit card out, logged on an Amazon account, and then spun up this Hadoop cluster that out that afternoon or that day, yeah. and then right. just upload, upload the data to S3, process, and send it back, which can kind of a shadow IT thing, which mm-hmm. is pretty risky in the banking world, but it happens. Um, but when we found out about it, it was, it was too late because we weren't sure if the data was encrypted, risk got involved, mm-hmm. the manager did keep his job, <laughs> but all, all, all these things do happen. So yep. it's it, there's a, a, a lot of different things kind of change things, but banks want to control what they do. And the, the big thing is now where, I don't know if you've ever worked in a bank, but if you're sitting in a bank at a desktop, everything is locked down. You, mm-hmm. you have to use Internet Explorer, you have to use this version of Excel, which is probably about five years old, mm-hmm. and everything is controlled and regulated, nothing moves along, so a new feature in a simple program like Word could take months, years to roll yeah. out and stuff like that. So, and also the cost as well. You're not just talking like a couple of office office licenses. You're talking normally the thousands or hundreds of thousands right. mm-hmm. kind of seats sitting at these applications as well. So the scale is huge as well. And any mistake is very, very costly. So it's what, it's what we've seen or what we do see day in, day out. You know, you mentioned shadow IT and stuff like that. 
we see this with uh, you know organizations across the country and across the globe um, of all sizes. It's just that when you then get into that banking industry, the visibility, the control, the regulation, etc., everything is effectively extended out uh, in terms of the pressure, the time, the energy, etc. And that's where you know something as simple as a shadow IT thing can can blow up in your face in a lot bigger way than it might do if you're a, a small organization taking a little bit of data and going and doing yeah it's all about brand, with it. brand reputation if one of the mm. top 10 banks had a data leak because some manager put some user data up mm -hmm. into a cloud and yep. then it was exposed publicly it would that make the news within like within the hour of it happening and it'll be all over the register and all these other places and mm. probably make mainstream news as well because data breaches are a big thing these days yep. so that's why the the banks have a lot of um they want to control what they do and that's why they're a bit reluctant what also what i saw in a lot of banks is they don't have the skill so you have silos of of support so when i was a bank i was a storage storage guy you had your vmware guy you had your network guy mm -hmm. you had your firewall guy you know, every, none of us spoke because your database guy they were the enemy <laughs> and uh, so like, the, we the, have another database guy yeah name. just uh just say it yeah <laughs> so, always the enemy yeah so everybody either blame storage or networks first and then starts yeah. blaming everyone else so those kind of um because you're so specialized in silos of, of supports um and you're protecting your empire as well so um it was very very difficult to get things done so we were always make sure that we had no no issues with, with our systems and mm -hmm. also protecting it as well and because change means more work and if it, if you had downtime say storage went out or networks went out it would cause ba banking app downtime or banking mm -hmm. or lo lo loss of revenue so everything you did if you made a mistake you, you could cost hundreds of thousands of pounds a minute while it, while you recover it yeah and so if we take that, let's say that's the context, right? Mm -hmm. This is the context in which now somebody's coming along and going, so we've got this cloud thing and those silos effectively need to start to melt away because a lot yeah. of the work that you do in a cloud platform, you have to understand networking yep. and storage and compute and paths and applications and so on and so forth. Um, how did that how did that mindset start to shift within those bigger organizations? Because I think the, the, the startups probably relatively easy because many yeah. of them start in a kind of cloud native mindset. Yeah, completely. In the traditional banking world, how do you go from, from this very, very political siloed environment to, to this modern world? What the big change for me is I moved from banking into media. So I work for a large global media company. And we were, the first week or two there, I was sitting in a meeting and they were to talking about deploying at a, a kind of like a, an internal github and kind of change management system and come from the banking world i was like oh my god it's a big project it's got lots of people involved by within about a day or two they had that application up and running in amazon ready to to load the actual production date in and then off off they went mm -hmm. and i was kind of a bit taken back when that happened that um this happened so quickly there was no kind of um it kind of meetings about it it's just like okay we're going to do it we're going to do it boom done it's up mm -hmm. they obviously had their encryption and their their governance and compliance to allow to build an amazon that was all pre-done before and pre-baked mm -hmm. but it's just the speed of that happens and i was like how long will i have a job in this company for because the way they're going because i again i was kind of a storage vmware kind of backup guy at that particular point in time and looking after all those systems for them as i go wow they can just move what about me and that was what kind of made me realize that 
cloud is the way forward. Mm. And I completely flipped my view where I was a, a naysayer in the bank, my that previous bank, mm-hmm. flipped me to where I am now. Then I worked there for a year and a half, then went contracting, then I um, worked for a bank, then came, now I'm in Rackspace basically. And so <laughs> like uh, cloud now plays my mortgage and, mortgage and does everything for me. So it's, um, but it's just the way forward. Like it means that if you look at the way the speed, it, uh, it changes that features and functions. It's what the banks want, and like the the scale as well. So, back in the old days of banking, you couldn't scale that quickly. Mm-hmm. And where you can, oh, you need a, a, a petabyte database for whatever an app or whatever application it is, mm-hmm. you couldn't do that on prem. Where in the cloud, there's like just many, many, many services which can scale to petabyte size mm-hmm. within seconds. Yeah, Sean, those are very good points you mentioned there about your experience with media and how what banks should do to adapt to the cloud. Um, and I've been thinking in the back of that, there must be a, a regulations and a compliance question in there because obviously media, um, my assumption is it's not that highly regulated. Um, <laughs> oh, it is? <laughs> You'd be surprised. You could correct, yeah, yeah, absolutely. You could Have you seen that. the tabloids? <laughs> <laughs> so in your experience and, and from, your, from your knowledge that you've gathered working for banks, what do you think is happening from a compliance and regulations point of view? Yeah, it's kind of, well, the big changer is the PSD2, which stands for the Payment Services Directive, which uh, was implemented in the EU in 2016, and then was, um, it must be mandatory implemented across all of Europe by January 2018. So this, in essence, allowed um, third-party people to get access to banking information on users, so they could use that data to look at spending habits, change different things, um, implement kind of um, apps to allow people to spend their money better, mm-hmm. allow other banks to help lend people money, which basically that's what banks are all about, is lending money from one person to another to make money for the bank. So sure. that, that's what that's the big game changer. It opened up to anybody who wants to come in to this particular market. Right, okay. But th- that must, I mean, that, that, what that must potentially mean, though, is that, does that not add more risk? Are we effectively saying that under PSD2... It, you know, I could I could go out there and and start my own fintech tomorrow. Yeah, anybody can. Um, but you have to ha- have um, all the like the knowledge and the experience, and have like if you want to open up a bank, you need a banking license. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, you you can once the user signs into it, you you expose your data from your bank to them, and then if you have many many different bank accounts, you could give all that information to this one particular app mm-hmm. or, or company, and then they could give you mm. financial advice based on that or mm. kind of allow you to go, well, Bank A isn't doing that well for you because it gives you only 5% interest, we wish. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> I remember but, the days. But this, bank, this bank gives you 10% interest on your money. It would be better saving money here and look at all your ICEs and stuff like that. Yep. So that that's kind of the, the big game changer. Like Banks are still banks. Banks still hold money, but the... The way that we pay transfer money from business to business, also person to person as well, has been changed. And that's that's the big game changer of what these this new regulations have brought in. Yeah. Sounds sounds like this PSD is either a precursor or part of the open banking. Yeah, it, it is part of the open banking standard that is in the UK. Yeah. It's um there's there's quite a lot to it though. It's it's it isn't just a simple just turn it on, that's it. It's there's there's regulations and standards behind that as well. So, Sean, what I hear from what you what we've been talking about and just thinking over it, it, it sounds like we're not just talking about banks because thinking about what you said, 
there are apps that do this. They just gather data. They're not actually doing anything with money. So are we saying fintech is not just banks? Fintech is other stuff? More tech than fin? <laughs> yeah, well, it, it, it is. It's, it's the banking industry and the kind of the finance and the lending industry, which there's other parts of that as well. Mm-hmm. But um, it, it, is essence, it is all about user data kind of fintech so looking at if you have a use case of you have say two people one's a person who's just graduated from college and then you got one person who is a a milkman no disrespect to milkman anywhere um but kind of um if you have looking at if you wanted to sell them insurance which Mm -hmm. is part of um uh, fintech and also kind of um or a loan or something like that as well Mm -hmm. you would be able to use this kind of like data you have on them to um to look at their profile so you get the data that you have on them which the bank details your banking your name yep. address telephone number and then using this banking app you could um well not banking up a, a fintech app on your phone they'd be able to look at like where you live your location what mm-hmm. you what you sp- spend money on where you go um if if your app is hooked up to your banks they'd be able to tell you oh you shop in waitrose or you shop in Lidl or you shop in Harrods mm-hmm. they collect all this data on you and then from that they'll be able to give you kind of more custom more tailor-made financial packages for you which might better have a better control of your money so mm-hmm. if you're a person who does their grocery shopping in Harrods mm-hmm. you're probably going to live in Kensington or something <laughs> like that as well so you like you may have more money to invest in other things so the the more data that they have on you the the better they can tailor certain packages for you rather than yeah. just where the old traditional way is they would just have the you have a hundred grand in your bank account you're probably rich yeah <laughs> so these people like they, they, the more data they have on you the, the, the better they can tailor certain financial packages and right so the theory for us is so the, there's a, the benefit for them is more information means better risk profiling yeah mm-hmm. um which means that they can invest their or risk their money with better returns yep and the benefit for us is that we end up with products which are more appropriate for us more tailored to what yep. we need our needs etc and there may be things that these types of fintech applications can identify that we would never even known about yeah so the equivalent of a of a of an app-based version of an ifa almost who's looking you know an independent Absolutely. financial advisor for for anybody who's not a uk listener um <laughs> yeah so so that that where historically you might have had a person who analyzes your financial status of affairs they can draw on that plus more data and then come back to you with recommendations that is one of the examples of kind of what, what fintech is it's like there's i actually subscribe on those apps myself oh yeah interesting. It's, it's not going very well <laughs> <laughs> you get all your data yeah. in one place yes uh, <laughs> <laughs> but it gives you an idea of what you what you spend and what you do and the decisions where you buy and the location, especially location traffic is quite interesting as well. Like, like if you travel quite a bit, you mm-hmm. kind of start getting like, oh, you should look at cheaper travel insurance for Europe or for global travel insurance. Mm-hmm. So it it gives you kind of exactly what you want for mm-hmm. what what you spend on as well. So it's holding um, holding up a mirror to you, but in a positive fashion. Where it, you... it knows you better than you know yourself. It's kind of the, the way <laughs> wow, that these things are. So what, what what you spend is what you are. That's some people might think it's a massive, scary <laughs> trust. Thing. It is, but you've actually voluntarily given your information to of them course. as well. So it's not that they, they, they just just scanned your Facebook account or something like that. <laughs> it's that you've, you've actually volunteered this information to them. And also you can quit at any time as well. Mm-hmm. Sure. And with the regulations around it, they have to delete your data mm-hmm. around that too. So there are it's not a, a the Wild West out there. It's, it's, um, it is regulated. That's a good point, though. So it is under FSA 
Yes. Oh, yes. Be, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. So all this is fantastic. And all I hear is data seems to be the future. It is the future. And, and this is, uh, and we're an opinionated bunch here. So we're talking about what we think is the future. It may not be what realistically is the future. But for me, it just sounds like uh, uh, this, there's so much data out there that you could do a lot more analysis on it. Yeah. And th- these, these companies can come up and do more things. Like you mentioned about briefly about if you're traveling, then talks about insurance. There's a whole lot of spectrum here about mm-hmm. individual lifestyle. What do you prefer? What do you do? The, what are your thoughts? I mean, I, I, I'm already thinking about what other uh, environments do. So, for example, if you're talking about things like uh, consumer products, people who buy cars, there's so much data there. You can automatically start doing AI and ML on it. Predictive and analytics. Exactly. Spending and the same thing can be done with banks, right? Yeah. And the, the more information they, they have, like um, if you're kind of like a fitness and health and stuff like that as well, all this data. So oh, yeah. if, if you're like, if you're an insurer, mm-hmm. well, this guy does CrossFit five times a week. He's <laughs> more than likely, you know, not, not looking at us, he's probably fit. <laughs> um, yeah, like this, this, guy, is, this is thankfully not a video. This this um, will be a lower risk profile to kind of, um, to what's going on. So this is all the information that they have. They would be able to compile better, yep. more customized, yeah. but not just financial health there's many many more use cases as well deathclock.com can get super active (laughs) (laughs) is that still around i don't know wow (laughs) i haven't heard that in a long time yeah excellent oh well thank you very much john it's actually been uh for me i've learned quite a lot today um and i hope uh, our listeners have too because uh i think uh, fintech is certainly one of these things that's going to impact all of us um and it's it's something that I think we should all be more aware of, especially in the IT industry and its influences and so forth. So thank you. Really appreciate you sharing that with us. You're welcome. Um, so as we always do, we like to have a bit of a news item and uh, and we quite often challenge our guests to bring an interesting news <laughs> item uh, along to the show as well. So uh, Sean, you had an interesting one that had come up just recently. Yeah, um, I do have a lot of reading on fintech and listen to other podcasts about fintech. Other uh, podcasts? Other, I feel like you're other, cheating on us already. Others do exist, <laughs> I believe. I listen. Um, um, so one of the ones I saw was on the World's Economic Forum mm-hmm. about um, disruptive innovation in financial industries, which is a very interesting read. And it shows you the the industry leaders and also kind of the, the the trendsetters as well. So kind of um, it goes from what they think is the now to what they think the future is. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's a very interesting read if somebody wants to kind of follow up on that. So just basically Google that. Oh, cool. Well, um, we'll put we'll get a link and we'll put that in the show notes as well. Yeah. Okay. Oh, cool. Awesome. Uh, well, that's I mean that sounds like a, a particularly interesting site if you're interested in. Um, that space um, and I'd highly recommend we'll put that in the show notes and then our listeners can have a have a look at that because I think you mentioned earlier on there's a, a fair bit of reading there there is yes yeah <laughs> <laughs> um, right so in which case uh, before we wrap up actually Sean uh, I'm sure a few of our listeners may want to stalk you online after this session um, can you just share with us how they might do that yeah um, I have a domain uh, the cloudnerd.com is where I am at the moment and I have nice. a Twitter handle which is crybabyrainface.com or crybabyrainface <laughs> At Crybaby Rainface. Yeah. Nice. Well, you'll be getting a follow from me later on this well, afternoon. It's, it's all new and clean. So I've, I've just recently just re- um, started a new Twitter because oh, my old one's going too crazy. <laughs> Excellent. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Uh, and yeah, as, as you mentioned, uh, listeners, if you want to get in touch with us, please, you, we are on Twitter. We are at Spotting Clouds or just Google. Cloud just spotting. Google cloud spotting. Although yeah. when you do that, I've done that several times, and it does come up with some quite random stuff. 
Yeah. People Ign- have way too much the clouds. time on their hands. That's all I'm saying. Ignore the clouds. Yeah. <laughs> uh, as a wrap. <laughs>